Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everybody and welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. I'm your host Jack Tertrunk Hussey, joined as ever by Mr. Raj Baines. Can we get you a pseudonym, Raj? No, I'm too grown up for that. You don't, no, I don't know. We tried to sort of pipe in brown bear in the early days. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I feel slightly uncomfortable calling you that. Nobody's called me brown bear for years. That used to be my uh, nickname back at sort of rugby and, and high school and stuff, but nobody's really called me it for years. Is that when they sort of realised it was kind of just friendly racism? No, you know what it was? It was um, it was an episode of Scrubs where uh, JD calls Turk his brown bear, and it, yeah. It, yeah, it was taken from there. One of my one of my close friends took it from there, and then sort of people had cottoned onto it and stuff. And it was just one of them where um, it caught on for a little while. But I've never really had a proper nickname. I mean, technically, Raj is a nickname because it's not really my name, but uh, it's just a shortened version. But um, your name's actually Colin. I don't know anybody, <laughs> anybody listening that didn't know that. <laughs> um, the uh, have you ever seen the goodness gracious me sketch where they're all uh, they're all in an Indian office and none of them can say the name James? I think I kind of vaguely remember it. Yeah, not not fully. Go on. And there's loads of them, but like they go through and they give them a really complicated Indian name by the end of it, like to make it easy for themselves. But that program was genius. I think James was yeah. actually was James not the waiter at the restaurant that they purposefully mispronounced when they went out for an English. I think so. I love that. Jamas going out for an English is like... yeah. Yeah, I think it might have been. He might have had a different name actually. When oh, it was Jonathan, Jonathan was his name because they kept calling him Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> Ahead uh, of its time, really. You could yeah. Say. Oh, absolutely. Anyway, football, football, bloody, bloody football for the lads. Can um, as you break down the fourth off for a minute? Because normally when we do this, right, we just do a normal voice chat. But you, because you're all in the heat and you've got your buttons down, have decided to give me a. Video chat for it with you, so I, I can look I, at you. I, while pressed, you're... I pressed the wrong button, and then when you realised it was there, it's kind of it almost feels like I'm hiding to then turn the video <laughs> chat off. No, if I, it... do you know what it is? It's because my Skype's updated and all the icons and things are new. Yeah, that, that looks that all me off. And you know how we struggle with technology as old cunts. Yeah. But so yes, yeah, so you get to you get to watch me. I see you haven't returned the favour though, so you know. Well, no, I'm literally sat with my t-shirt off, so I don't think you want my bare chest uh, sat on my desk in nothing but my shorts. That's that's that's, that's the bonus of working from. Well, I uh, <laughs> I opened up both my windows, as I told you before, but it's just one of them where I thought I can't I can't be doing that. It's we'll be too distracted staring at each other. Yeah, <laughs> football, right? Yeah. Um, let's do let's do Arsene Wenger first. Arsene Wenger's gone. Well, he's not gone. He's going. 
it's, it, he's gone though. I mean, he's, what do you? I, I've taken it as like it's a soft sacking. <laughs> soft sacking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it does sound soft like because he um he always made noise that he always finishes his contract and everything. So yeah. it, it, it he didn't ever seem as if he'd be one to fall on this sword. So it seems as if um the board have sort of said to him, "You go this season or you push," sort of a thing. Mm. And this is the only dignified way of doing it. Do you, I mean, what do you think for us? Because Jack Pitt Brook, I see, has just written a thing saying that, don't worry, well, Arsenal fucking fans. Fucking everyone's written a thing. It, well, yeah, but I mean, his, his hot take is, don't worry, Arsenal fans, you're not going to do a Man United because you're already doing a Man United, so the only <laughs> way is up. And like, I couldn't disagree with that anymore, probably. I'm not calling, I, I have, well, I am kind of calling him out and singling him out, but I don't mean it in a way of an attack. It's just, it's an opinion that I've seen echoed a bit that the only way is up for Arsenal but I don't really agree with that because I think Wenger's mm. been doing a pretty decent job with not a great side how much of that is his own doing yeah you know remains to be seen but uh I don't know I think I think there's there can always be a period of instability that follows a a, a guy who is that embedded within a football club um I don't see how that can be a, a seamless process. I mean, if if you're a top top tier manager now, as much as Arsenal represent a, a probably a pretty tantalising challenge, they're a big club. There's good infrastructure there. It's probably a fair bit of money to spend. They've got some decent players already. It's also a bit of a poison chalice, right? Yeah, I mean, it's the similar thing with when Fergie left. Is do you want to be the one who replaces him, or do you want to be the one that replaces the one who replaces him? Sort That's of thing. It. Um, which is just the one that's been sort of seems like an odd one to me is Patrick Vieira and the amount of sort of goodwill that seems to be like behind that appointment because that almost seems as if he's a lamb to slaughter sort of he'll placate the fans because it's somebody they know and it almost seems as if it's a sort of progressive signing for the future but that's one that could it's similar to giving it giggly to the end of the season, could just go tits up and he couldn't be any good because he's only managed in, in MLS and it's not as if yeah. that is the the hub of you know coaching talent in the world. So it's not somewhere where he'd really learn his craft to the extent others may in other divisions. Surely if you want someone like Vieira in, you bring him in under the stewardship of, say, a Rafa Benitez or someone like that who could be a sort of tangible short-term target and they can kind of get embedded at the club, start to, you know, start to implement kind of like their own philosophies off the pitch. So working with some of the youth teams, starting to even just, you know, make friends with the fucking groundsmen, the tea ladies. I'm sure Vieira or whatever probably has yeah. a lot of that already in place, probably. Um, the problem with that, though, is it always feels as if that undermines the man who is in Probably. the big chair at the time. Because, you know, remember when sort of like Kenny Dalgleish went back to Liverpool and then all of a sudden he was the manager again because he was yeah, in a position yeah. up above. And the fact that while Moyes was there, Ferguson didn't really take a break. He was always sat in the stand and it literally was a spectre over his shoulder and stuff. There needs to be a bit of a, a gap, I think. Uh, otherwise, you, especially with these unique situations where there really isn't another comparable one, bar Ferguson, Pibby, Paul Tisdale's the other one, but that's not really a, a top flight example. Um, there's there's just a, a certain way of managing it. I'm not sure how they go about it. And it's an interesting point you make about um, 
not doing a Man United because I actually think if a fish stinks, it stinks from its head and their ownership is, is highly questionable. Yeah. If you look at what he does with the other things, Cronky, that he owns, they're not far and away achievers. He just wants to make as much money as possible. So as long as Arsenal are profitable, their owners will be happy and all they need to be profitable is top four football, which is why Wenger was allowed to be in charge as long as he was without winning the title because he got Champions League. And it's now that he will go back-to-back seasons without Champions League football because they genuinely don't think he's going to win the Europa League because he's drawn Atleti now. Mm. Um, the reason he's gone, and I, I honestly think reading between the lines, that's what's happened. And they'll probably be a sort of a club similar to ourselves and Liverpool and even Chelsea now where they'll have the odd tilt every other year but their main thing will be finish top four, try and consolidate, try and build bigger. But they're not going to be a Man United-sized team. They're not going to buy the league like City. It's not doesn't work like that for them. No. Um, they can offer big contracts and big wages, but they've happened when they've let big money people go as well. So um, it's going to be a strange one. I think that you know this top six now is sort of Man City are firing away the biggest fish now artificially um, Manchester United are there or thereabouts because of the money they just sit on and generate because of who they are um, Chelsea are now in this weird austerity period because Abramovich has got divorces to pay for and shit uh, Liverpool are you know they're building themselves back there but still their best players get nicked they're almost in a weird position that we were in a few years ago um, because FSG is still one of those owners that will happily take profit. I mean, if a sizable offer comes in for Mohamed Salah, he'll go. Um, and, you know, the same goes for, for Chelsea and, and us, really. I mean, where you look at the wage table and we're comfortably the fifth highest spenders. So if we finish anywhere above fifth every season, then we've overachieved. And uh, that's just a weird landscape of it. It's bizarre that... I don't know that you you, you can draw such a par- it shouldn't be bizarre it's a stupid thing to say but it just it's it's kind of disheartening isn't it that you can draw such a clear parallel between money spent and league position generally speaking that Spurs are the aberration to that and thus yeah. it's it, 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 but it's still looked at that the over and I know it's because it generates clicks and it generates having like ad revenue and such but just how still it's always framed that Tottenham are this perpetual failure. It, it's maddening. It's maddening, and you're seeing it happen now. Um, I am. I am genuinely. I'm starting to get the fear that um, we're going to fuck the top four. But let's not. Let's stay on wing and just quickly. I'm not. I'm not concerned at all. Actually, well, we'll, we'll, we'll have that one out in a minute. But with wing, <laughs> I think the the main one, the main thing for me is that like. <sighs> He's a guy that, right? Okay, so what, one of one of the best pieces of criticism I've heard of Wenger was from one of my friends who is a gooner, who is Wenger out, but he's a more, he's a more kind of more rational guy um, to a degree, and he he was saying that like yeah, you can kind of all the stuff, all the kind of he doesn't spend, we only spend X Y Z. That's all white noise. We always say it about Spurs, you know. At the end of the day, we don't know what's going on we don't know what kpis are we don't know what financial forecasts look like we work on hearsay as fans and for the most part the media do as well most of course 
don't really know the innate business operations that go on within a club. Pochettino doesn't want to spend money. I'm, I'm sure he probably does. And this idea that Wenger doesn't want to spend money as well. Is They're only fed what people untrue. want them to hear. Yeah, exactly. And usually that's to service one person to gender or another. So it's never the full story that you get. It's never... No. And I, you know, you're never in the full picture as somebody who is behind the scenes would be. No, and I, I think the the one thing you you can probably judge Wenger on though over the past few years is that really a lot of exciting fresh talent has actually started to fester consistently under him now, as opposed to you know that sort of progressive manager that nurtured young exciting talent into superstars and he did that consistently he basically you know doing what Pochettino did sort of average-ish players would go under Wenger's stewardship and he turned them great you know he turned like Emmanuel Petit from a very good player into a world-class player Probably well this is the, the thing I mean Henry, did the same with Vieira did the same with Mark Overmars you know yeah Wenger in his prime is an almost a, a mythical thing for me because I was only four when he took over at Arsenal. So this is when he's at his very best. Um, and the things that he seemed to implement are the things that it took people a few years to catch up on. Yeah, And it almost so. seems as if once people had cottoned on to what he was doing, it had his knees taken out from underneath him and, you know, his scouting and, you know, buying certain plays for certain positions and retraining them and nutrition and, and sort of... That's it. Even, that, even just to that level of, like, making sure that players didn't just eat fucking ham, egg and chips every evening. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, seems crazy now, but... It's 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 a reality, and it's the way in which Wenger changed the game. And I, 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 I hope, and I, I, yeah, I do hope this as a Spurs fan. I'm not, I'm, I don't really care about the tribalism to this level. I think the guy's been, as it, as a human being, has been treated pretty fucking appallingly by a large amount of the Arsenal fan base. Yeah, it's disgusting now that they spent ten years calling him a cunt, and now they're yeah. all mourning as if he's died. Yeah. I think um, see, seeing this, I don't know if you saw it not long ago, there was a video from an Arsenal, like literally from an Arsenal fan filming in on his mobile phone. Wenger's just walking down the fucking high street. It's, a, it's just an old man. At the end of the day, it's an old man. It's a guy walking down the high street. A frail old man at that yeah. as well. Probably getting his fucking shopping. And some geezer's just been like, Oi, Wenger, Wenger, arson, arson. Goes to shake his hand. And then just shouts, fuck off out my club, you old cunt. Something like that, just like in his face. And it is quite, there's a part of me that's like, that's quite funny. football like Ibra if it weren't for him. But I just think, fucking hell, man. Show, show a bit of, like, show a bit of human respect to somebody. And I think that's, that's one of the ways in which I have, like, actually started to quite... I've always had this line that Chelsea are a pretty scummy club. Arsenal are just our rivals. But I think... And, and it's not it's not a minority. There's a large part of Arsenal's fan base that has been fucking disgraceful in the way they've treated Wenger in the past few years. And I think, yeah, okay, you can be unhappy with somebody's stewardship of the club, but all this fucking flying planes, holding up banners, shouting, booing him in the street and stuff. Well, it's, it's, it's a sense a of entitlement disgrace, man. that they wouldn't have if it wasn't for his success. Yeah. So the only reason they feel like they deserve league titles and cups every year and stuff, and the fact that they won, what is it? Is they won two FA Cups recently or three even? Yeah, yeah. Two, if, yeah I think it's three, isn't it? Yeah. So it's not as if they've been fucking starved of anything. No. Um. There was what ten, eleven years where they didn't win anything. There was a couple of embarrassing 
League Cup defeats to Birmingham and stuff, that was poor. That's probably when he should yeah. have gone. Yeah. But he's managed to still give them a little bit of something towards the end. They're still in a, a semi-final of a European competition now, so... I think they're going to win that, to be honest. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's just it seems so distasteful, especially from a, a Tottenham perspective, because we've seen so many managers come and go, so many attempts to start something. You know, every time we've had a youngish manager come in, is he going to be Tottenham's Wenger? Yeah. It was said about AVB. It was probably even said about Pochettino. It have been said about Santini when he came in, maybe even Martin York. Fucking hell. Yeah, exactly. And Santini. Yeah, he lasted fucking all of weird two minutes. Man he was. Yeah. Um, I remember being really excited about him because he did, he did rate well with France, didn't he? And then yeah, yeah, yeah. he was there for fucking four seconds. Um, but yeah, all these things. And then you sort of peer over at them and admit for a while... It, there was jealousy from our end and there was you know you looked at them because of what they were doing and it was sort of oh they're doing all this because look at the manager they've got that's what we need to be doing and now we're in a better position than they are there's almost a sense of pity there because they're all treating him like shit and you're like you don't know how good you actually had it if you know you should be celebrating him coming to an end rather than mourning him. If you compare and contrast how Ferguson went out to how Wenger is going out, it's almost as if they're sneaking him out the back door with sort yeah. of a a nice, you know, a card signed by everyone in the office, whereas Shalex was literally paraded around and, he was, he? you know, stands named after him and stuff. It was, you know, the whole of English football got up to go, okay, we'll send him off properly, whereas everyone with Wenger is sort of going, you know, it's about time, it's 10 years too late, but he did all right back in the day sort of a thing, which is a, a, a bit of a, a weird one. He's not even, Ferguson's not even dead and they've already built him a statue, do you know what I mean? It's... He, he was. He, I don't think he'd even left the club by the time they'd, really? they'd built it, yeah. He was already there, so he, he's sort of one of those things where just the, the legacy seems to be taken. And I imagine in sort of 10, 20 years, people will have largely like you know looked over this period and he'll be remembered for the better times again but for now there'll always be a distaste there and you know he's not even said he's retiring either so there's not stopping him going to PSG or Barcelona in the summer and you know dicking on someone there which would be no, no. honestly just for the if they if honestly the best case scenario from a Tottenham fan is they fuck up their next appointment Wenger gets a big job and does really well at it and they have to watch him succeed while they're shitting up again he would be cheap. beautiful he could go there Barcelona even because Barcelona have tried for him in the past can you imagine him pissing through La Liga That'd be fucking brilliant, wouldn't it? And I mean, there's this idea as well. I've seen quite a few Arsenal fans now going on about uh, Allegri. Like, I've got a, there's a Juventus fan in the office, and he's Juventus just like, are a bigger club than they straight up are. They straight up are. Like, yeah, I know people will always fall back on yeah, but the Premier League's a bigger league than Syria, but it doesn't matter. Like, Premier League's a bigger club than Bundesliga, but Bayern Munich are a comfortably bigger side than Arsenal, as Juventus are with Arsenal. They're probably uh-huh. they're probably richer. They've probably got a bigger infrastructure. They might well actually in terms of finances, they might be fairly similar. But the brand, the history, the heritage, it's Juventus. Like, uh-huh. why is Allegri going to leave there to go to the to the Premier League to compete against Man City? Why is he going to do that? And then on on the knockdown from that, Chelsea and Man United. But Chelsea are probably similar to City, but 
they're just not as voracious at the moment, are they, in their appetite for spending? Um, but yeah, Arsene Wenger, please, please, please let it be Brendan Rodgers as well. Please <laughs> let it be Brendan Rodgers. I just want to, it'd just be funny now if they went through sort of 10 managers in 10 years and had to play Europa League football every year and would just sort of drag down. One thing I was Basically actually, became us. I know. I actually reading something the other day in one of the papers, which was really interesting. Apparently, if I don't think they are now because they've got a fairly easy game on the weekend and Burnley lost to Chelsea. But if Burnley finish above them, they would have to go in, and they didn't win the Europa League. They would have to qualify for the Europa League in something like July, like yeah. a week or so after the World Cup starts. Their season would start which would completely throw off all of their commercial interests because they couldn't go on any of the preseason tours or anything. So if Burnley were to fuck them up and go finish above them in the league, it would genuinely throw them off quite, you know, spectacularly because there'd be no, you know, shirt-selling trip to America or China or anything because they'd be playing, you know, Romanian farmers in the second week of July just after, you know, Ozil and Mustafi have played in the World Cup final, so it's one of them weird situations. Actually, Mustafi wouldn't play, but, you know, Ozil might. But it's one of those weird situations where they're at a point now where they could actually be a a properly second-rate European outfit in terms of where they stand if that were to happen. So uh, I don't think it will now because Burnley didn't beat Chelsea, and I think Arsenal have got a very winnable game on the weekend. But other than that, it would. Uh, it was quite amusing. I actually think they'll probably finish the season quite strongly now because the pressure's off, and uh, you know they'll want to finish nicely for Wenger. Maybe I don't know. It's just a weird club. Mm. Yeah, I, I mate, how good would it be if Burnley did finish above them? Though it would be hilarious. I think it'd be one of the best things. That, but it would just be like it'd be almost like the start of everything. Arsenal fans have experienced like the ways in which they've been able to laugh at Spurs is starting to happen for us now. I just hope it can come around. And, oh, for fuck's sake, just... Do you know one of my biggest bugbears <laughs> yeah. is um, is this weird thing that Arsenal fans are doing at the minute where they're going, oh, Tottenham are being praised for finishing in the top four and running league title close and trying to win trophies. When we did that for 10 years with Wenger and we got um, sort of shat on for it and it's like that completely ignores the wider context of what was happening you went from a club that were winning league titles and were winning those trophies downward into the position where fourth place was brilliant for you and we're getting to a position now where if we finish top four this year it'll be the first time that we've gone three years in Europe in the Premier League area it might be the first time we've gone three years in Europe in the club's history I'm not entirely sure but for us to be in the Champions League three years running isn't thought of. We were, it was like, oh, if we get in the top four, you know, now then this could be something, and you know, then it might be something else. To do it two years in a row as we have done this time around was something. To do it again would be marvelous, and that's almost as transformative as the stadium and things. And to ignore the fact that the trajectories of both clubs, even though their successes on field may be comparable, may be comparable if you sort of strip everything else away. If you ignore the trajectories of how they're approaching those sets of results, then you don't really get a full picture of what's going on. That's one other thing that annoys me the most because they'll, you know, when people write a, a pro Tottenham piece or sort of vaguely positive about what Pochettino's doing or what Tottenham mm. are doing and stuff, there'll always be people underneath going, Oh, Arsenal did this years ago and all you said was that we were shit. And it's like, Yeah, that's because you were 
failing when you were doing that on yeah. for this this is a this the gr- purplest patch in you know Tottenham's history in our lifetime so you can in most fuck people's off. lifetime yeah. to be honest probably in the club's history yeah so uh, yeah, other than I just, without winning anything annoyingly but well yeah we were always a cup team though weren't we we were always we'd pick up a cup every now and then we've only won two league titles it's not as if we were always no. a a big club towards the top of the league it was just oh every now and then it would be Tottenham's year where they'd do something and yeah now more often than not there's consistency there than there may have not been previously so well, this feels like a nice natural segue as well into, into yeah. the cup itself how are you i mean how are you feeling sort of top line thoughts on uh, on the game against united coming up um the biggest fear I have is of an absolutely awful game where Mourinho shits a 1-0. And I feel like we have to score early again. Yeah. Because uh, I think that was the biggest thing. Everyone's gone on about how comfortable we were in that game against them at Wembley the first time around. But it was because they yeah. didn't have chance to shit the game up because we literally scored after five seconds. And I'm not saying we have to score after five seconds again, but we have to start like you know a bat out of hell and we have to put us fucking foot down and, and get ahead because if they go up then that's a disaster uh in my opinion even yeah, though even though sort of you know this Wembley thing that everyone's going on about which is again hilarious the fact that it's the funniest fucking joke and punchline for everyone at the start of the season Tottenham have to spend a year at Wembley uh, where they can't now win. it's our advantage right? yeah exactly so it's that Bollocks. pick a fucking lane and stick in it yeah um, but um, yeah, that's I'm most scared of. If we go one nil down, then I can't see us getting back out of that hole because he's going to have every man and his dog behind the ball, and they're just going to shit out a result. Well, they're they're we, West, um, West Brom with Dosh, aren't they? Basically, yeah. It's, yeah, I don't know. I, you know what they make? Like, I think it, is this the this is our eighth. Semi-final now, isn't it? Like <laughs> yeah. since we last actually got past, we, we've got we've had the worst run of like semi-finals without reaching the final in history now, haven't we? Yeah, ninety one's the last final, wasn't it? That's yeah. the last time we won it, and we've yeah finished. Sort of, I think we ninety three we got knocked out in the semis. I think maybe ninety four or ninety five. Mm. The ones yeah. I remember, I remember the apart from the most recent ones, the ones I remember most as a kid is there was the Arsenal one. Was that two thousand and one? Yeah. Stefan Everson scoring at Old Trafford. Yeah, and the uh, the Newcastle one, yeah. um, which was weird as well. Cause did we have the, one to Everton? Did Everton knock us out in the semis as well? I think that might be mid nineties or something at some yeah. point. Yeah, but yeah, Portsmouth. Yeah, Portsmouth was oh, a disgrace. God, Chelsea was, a couple of times. That was such a miserable day. The Portsmouth one, yeah, but oh. but the Portsmouth defeat preceded one of the best weeks we had at that period. Because yeah. We then beat Arsenal for the first time in ever, forever. That was the Danny Rose goal, and then we beat Chelsea in the same week, and then we finished top four. And yeah, it was almost that Man City it, game. Yeah, if we hadn't have lost that semi final, I don't think we would have finished top four. No. But that's a an old retro look back at Jesus. Is that almost no, it's not almost ten years ago, but it's good seven. It's not. It's not far off though. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. Which is insane, isn't it? Time flies when you. Be mediocre. I mean, I just the the problem is, mate. I've I have honestly, I've actually resigned. My, I know it maybe sounds negative, but I have genuinely resigned myself to the thought of us not winning tomorrow. I think if we win this game, we win the cup. I think if we're in the final, we win it. 
um, oh, I, regardless, I, I can't regardless of who we play. Um, really? Yeah, because I think the the semi final thing is such a big thing. I think the weight's off your shoulders at that point, and then you they'll actually go and play. I think getting to the the semi final, semi finals and everything are always more nervous than an actual final is. If you watch any tournament, the semi finals are usually the shittest games and usually the most dirtiest ones. Apart from that one where Germany spanked Brazil, but other than that, they usually are because you that's the worst place to lose, isn't it? You don't want to not get there you'd rather finish second having had a goal than not have a chance to test your arm one game away so um yeah like i say my biggest fear is that we shit it but we've had such a weird week building up to it the man city game is one of the most passive performances i've ever seen from Tottenham under pochettino they just didn't seem to get underway at all it was it was almost reminiscent of that end of season where the Leicester season where they just give up for the end of the year. Yeah, It was almost re- reminiscent of that. Um, and they deserved to be smashed that day, and I didn't understand why. And I thought, okay, they'll, you know, B- Brighton are coming up. Maybe they'll, you know, have a go here and put three or four past them. Harry Kane will probably want a few goals after people have been talking shit about him and that. Which, again, is a really weird thing. The whole fucking making that a joke is just a strange thing. If it says he comes off his shoulder, it comes off his shoulder. It, I don't understand. Anyway... But um, the Brighton game was weird as well. I mean, it didn't help the fact that we give a penalty away two seconds after we'd gone ahead, but the response to it wasn't great either. It was just such a, a strange week that I didn't see coming. And it's just the poorest preparation for this game because there's any confidence they could have been there has evaporated. And it's almost as if they have to pick themselves up and go from zero, where you really needed them flying yeah. a bit. It's annoying, isn't it? Because it just feels like, well, at the moment, it feels a bit like, could the season have peaked with that Chelsea win? Because I fucking hope not. Still games to play, guys. I don't know. Is it, where does this, because this seems to be like a recurring theme. Is this just football or is this an issue that Pochettino needs to address that our guys seem to have this kind of, they still seem to have this innate ability to switch off at times, even at, even in big games. I, I don't buy this whole like bottling. I know obviously it's just it's a buzz term that's easy to appropriate to Spurs, but it doesn't even seem to be like we're like I didn't get the vibe we were scared against Man City. Like you said, it just seemed like we never got started. It's like we approached the game like we'd already lost it, which I don't know. It's quite worrying. Like, and it, it, it was almost it, if I, it, this is why you know, like I was saying to you about the the creeping sense of inevitability that we're going to finish outside the top four. Yeah. I just I I just get that feeling from the past few years as I've watched it again. It's just seeing the way all these different little bits and pieces play out in other matches and this sort of narrative again that's getting spun against Spurs. Everyone taking the piss out of Harry Kane and Deli Ali still obviously being guilty of being a successful young black man and you know <laughs> uh it, it just i don't know it just everything seems to weigh against us at, here's the thing with, with the, the um with the top four thing if we address this before we go back to the cup yeah yeah i think our fixtures play massively into our hands we've got a home game against oh, watford but, who but, watford haven't still... played for months watford are genuinely dog shit i genuinely think jack we could play in a midfield three with musa sissoko and still win that game we had this, we had this, uh, what the Leicester year, all we needed was what we needed like a point from Newcastle, Southampton, and West Brom, wasn't it? And fucked it like, absolutely mm. fucked it. Like, 
Spurs have previous in this sort of thing. And we have Newcastle to play. We have Leicester to play. And we have West Brom to play as well. Like it, it, West Brom should be down by the time we play them. But they still just have this. They have this weird thing with us, don't they? Other than when we're smashing them, putting five past them. They then tend to yo-yo between being a really agitating team for us or one that we just cast aside. Hopefully, it'll be the latter in uh, oh. in this instance. I don't know. I just I feel that like I'm not. I'm. I'm I, th- I think we will stumble not, over the line. Yeah, I'm not just having this unfounded like wobble. That, oh no no no! There's precedent. Yeah, that Spurs are Spurs going to fuck it because of Spursy reasons. I I'm actually looking at the fixtures, being like, these are actually fairly dodgy fixtures, and our next league game we could be. Chelsea could then at that point be two points behind us, putting additional pressure on us. Watford are, I know what you're saying about Watford, but they are still, they're also a bit of a sort of like flip-flop team at the moment. Sometimes they can turn up and do all right, you know. Um, Let's hope, you know, is this the game that Rich Arlson turns up in? For Despite the fact he's disappeared for most of the season after having a fairly decent start. Um, he seems to have like two good months for Charleston and then go away and people are being linked with him for forty million now. It's like I know. He's not played for six months. What, what are you on about? Have you seen all this Like apparently Man United are gonna sell Martial and replace him with Charleston. What why would you do that? I don't why wouldn't you just play Martial? <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand. I'd love, Mar- him. I'd love him at Spurs. Mourinho's recent history of selling players who then go on to be absolutely incredible is second to none. Weird dude. Weird, yeah, yeah, yeah. weird guy. I don't understand it. Anyway, if we go back to the cup, I yeah. I think we'll crawl over top four, just because I think had there been a couple more oh, fucking alibis just floating, I'm gonna have to kill it. In a <laughs> it's not one of those like fucking African killer bees, is it? I don't know. Is that racist? I don't know. I hope not. Uh, the only like killer bees big... I know are the Wu Tang killer bees. It's on one of those like. Uh, hysterias maybe you were too young for it like in the in the 90s like you know how we've had swine flu and bird flu and mad cow well mad cow was actually a legit thing but the other <laughs> one so how they were yeah, like, i was i was alive for mad was yeah. i alive for, no i was alive for foot and mouth oh all the all the good things yeah um but african killer bees was a, another one as well that there were going to be swarms of them coming over and stinging everyone sounds um, like an enoch powell uh, bit, speech what so, a lovely man. But yeah, but that's that's, that's what that was. But yeah, uh, the FA Cup, I mean like what about what do you what do you think about what Pochettino's said about it? Because again, I think I honestly like, think he's telling the truth. I think I, yeah, honest- I think people are <laughs> twisting his words so much. I honestly I don't understand what um what people expect him to say otherwise. Like if he goes the other way and goes, We're never gonna win anything if we don't win this at this year's FA Cup. Then they'll go, oh, he's putting too much pressure on it. I know he's not saying he's not doing the party line of, oh, we'd love to win it, but clearly any team would love to win any trophy they're in. But I think the point he's trying to make, and he, he never makes it articulately, but again, the man is speaking in his second language, and it's not as if he ever gives, you know, 10-minute soliloquies on anything anyway. He's just no. literally saying his you know, thoughts and you fill in the blanks. But... What he's essentially saying is if we win this year's cup, it doesn't automatically mean that next year we're going to win the league. Because exactly. Man City are going to go. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And spend 500 million again. So it's not as if. He's pretty much literally said that word for word. They're in the ahead of the quarterfinals. That's pretty much exactly what he said. In in so much as yeah, it would be great to win the FA Cup. However, I don't think the project I'm building and the foundations I'm building will be, you know, i.e., he's building towards winning the Premier League, and he's building towards trying to compete or win the Champions League, and that isn't going to be determined whether or not we win the FA Cup. That's that's the only point he's making. And people should take heart from that. I don't see why people don't see that as a positive thing. He's 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 literally making the point that whatever happens here, I'm still aiming to win the Premier League and the Champions League. I mean, what happened to the fucking motto that our club's built around that, you know, we we set our sights so high that even our failures have an echo of glory. Like if 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 we've gone out this season to try and win the Premier League and we end up finishing in the top four and win an FA Cup and our manager's still kind of disappointed with that. That's a good thing. And I don't see how people don't take it that way. And I, I, I do, I, you know, I can concede. I can see that people say, oh, maybe he should be more positive. But then that just buys back in about the FA Cup, that is, directly. But like you say, that just buys back then into that narrative mm-hmm. of he's putting too much pressure on the players. Oh, he's only focusing on a tin pot trophy. Oh, it's small clubism. Oh, it's short-term thinking, you know? It's, We've just it's... talked about Wenger winning three of the bastards and Precisely. it's not as if that's fucking fixed everything at Arsenal. Precisely, you know? Uh, but here's the thing. I think for us as fans, I'm desperate for him to win it. I, I of course. do sort of criminal things for them to do it if it was ensured that we would win it. But it's one of those things where it's, it's fan service for us and... I understand the argument that Pochettino's never won a competition before as a manager and experience of winning a competition will do wonders for his experience and, and his benefit. And the same goes for young players and, and fostering a winner, winning mentality there. But we've done so much of that already. I mean, to an extent, you could make the argument that the fact that you know going to Stamford Bridge and winning is almost as big of a monkey off the back as winning a cup is and stuff like that is as big of a a psychological improvement at Tottenham as winning a cup is and I understand there are intangible benefits to that and you know more than that but I think the FA Cup now is essentially just a shinier Carling Cup I know that sounds terrible because it's such a, a prestigious competition but that's essentially what it is now because we are in two bigger competitions this is the the third most thing that we would want to win um, I honestly think if we were in the Europa League, they'd probably even want to win the Europa League more than the FA Cup. 
because yeah, it, it doesn't actually give you anything. I mean, if they put a Champions League place with the FA Cup or something, then maybe that would change the the perspective of it, but they don't. Um, but it's one of those things where now, it, 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 if we were to win one, I think the benefit of it is that we get to stop having this conversation and we get to say we've won something now, so let us go on from that. I think that is honestly yeah. the biggest benefit of this is that people stop going, oh, Tottenham play pretty football, Harry Kane scores lots of goals, Deli Ali does this, Christian Eriksen does that, but what have they ever won? You still get to go, actually, we built sustainably for a decade and a half, then we won the FA Cup, and then we started building in the, we were in the Champions League regularly, then we were in a new stadium, and then something else happened. So I think it is on a long t- list of you know boxes to check the FA Cup is definitely on there because it is a milestone and it is representative of of growth and success but in you know much the same way that Pochettino says it failing to tick that box doesn't mean that nothing else is going to be achieved on that list i just you know i think it's one of these things where you've got to you've got to start taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture in in so much as you have so many fans, right, that will complain about Daniel Levy not spending enough money on big wages on big players, right? And that's that's if we're to go on that basis whereby people have an appetite for that, right? People have an appetite to see Spurs compete. They have an appetite to see Spurs win the league, and they realise that you also need to spend big in order to do that. Then you need to stop fighting against the overly commercialised business side of the game. You need to stop all this against modern football. Okay, certain facets of it you can still rage against, fine. But, you know, oh, why are they doing pre-season tours of America? Why are we sharing a ground with the NFL? Blah, blah, blah. You know, this this all buys into that. You don't get one without the other. And... (laughs) The other important component of this is that Spurs are successful on the pitch as well right and as you've already said there Arsenal to me are always a great case study of this in in so much as Arsenal have a big brand commercially you know they have all the partnerships they're profitable they're run by billionaires they have huge sponsorship deals all over the place they're a global brand you know they're massive in Africa they're massive in Asia they've won the FA Cup three times now they pay players top dollar they pay Ozil fucking shitloads they were paying Sanchez absolutely shitloads and still these players were not happy at the club because the club you know are in decline the club are not competing for the Premier League the club are not competing for the Champions League they're just they're not they are not happy and Arsenal are thus struggling now more and more as the years go on to a, to attract top tier talent they actually are and that is a direct result of them not being seen in my opinion anyway as a direct result of them not being seen as a lucrative option you know Dortmund are another good side Dortmund are a very good side but if a player is given the option of do I want to play for Bayern or do I want to play for Dortmund they're going to go and play for Bayern and it's the same here as in if a player is offered City or if they're offered, look, look at Kyle Walker. Kyle Walker, Spurs and City were in almost, you know, a similar position last year, right? Spurs had a better season than City last year. Kyle Walker still jumped to Man City, you know. And I just firmly believe that Pochettino's point that winning an FA Cup 
isn't going to change that stands. So I don't know why we have to pretend that it's any different. I, I just, I, I, I can't, I cannot understand it. And if, if we want, to, if we want to kind of base everything on the fan experience, we want to base things on these kind of like, you know, these long held ideas of heritage and wanting to win the FA Cup is great. That's fine. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not in any way combating anyone's kind of opinion on that because I share a lot of that. I would love to win the FA Cup. I would absolutely love to. It's the Spurs trophy. It's one I've seen as in, in so much as when I was younger, it was us and Man United that won it the most times. And obviously since now it's fucking them up the road have overtaken us on that. But still it's something that I'd see is like, it's just, it's deep within the DNA of the club. It's a great day out. Of course, you know, the players will be happy on that day to win an FA Cup, but that's not going to make a potentially, you know, unsettled Neymar who come and think, actually, do you know what? Maybe I'll go and sign for Spurs. Maybe if the, if the money's there, I'll go and sign for Spurs and let's see if we can win the Champions League next year because they won the FA Cup. It's, it just isn't going to... It's not going to work like that. And then if you, if you come back to me and say like, well, oh, I, I don't care about signing players like Neymar. If they don't want to play for the shirt, then fuck them. Well, then don't complain about getting knocked out of the Champions League to Juventus. You know, it, it, you, you cannot have it all. You can't have it all. And there are some uncomfortable truths in most aspects of life, football being one of them, that I feel you just have to face. And you, you have to face the fact that Pochettino's darkly pragmatic stance on the FA Cup and the League Cup is sound. I I, I don't know. I just I I I could I, it's a it's a position that I I just I can't I can't move from and I I don't I don't think he does the FA Cup a disrespect. No. At all. I don't <clears throat> I don't believe that he does. I, no. I don't I mean look at it look at how successful teams actually treat the FA Cup. There was one year Man United didn't enter it. Because they just didn't care. They they'd already won it a couple of times, and they what they went to the club World Cup or something instead. So they just didn't field the team for the FA Cup. They, it's a competition that isn't what it used to be, and I, there is a lot of romantic things. And it, me more than you even are obsessed with the romantic aspects of football, and it's something that I cling on to perhaps more than I should, given the way the game is going and the way other clubs behave and how they get success. But it's one of those things where you've got to acknowledge sort of when the goalposts shift, you can't be left standing still because that's as harmful as as sort of, you know, inaction and, and the things that you're accusing the club of doing. If you're concentrating on things that shouldn't be concentrating on and, and giving credence to things that don't deserve that level of fervour anymore, then it's just as damaging and, and sort of just as archaic as anything else. And, you know, that, that sort of a mentality extends to um, when people get so mad over players like Toby Alderweireld deciding they'd rather an extra 50, 100 grand a week than playing for Tottenham. Because if that's the case, and we've had this conversation before, he'll be sold for lots of money and um, Tottenham will make a profit on it. And we'll buy a younger version of that player that we can create into the next best centre-back in the world. You're licked. That's our boy. Well, you, we've already been linked with that sort yeah. of player. And it's not like... Do you, it's a, do you like Lascelles? Lascelles. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's almost as if he needs to be the the number one centre-back somewhere. Yeah. Is my concern with him. Cause he he is be. decent, though. He's decent. He is. He is. And he's... He, he's... 
I'd rather promote Juan Foyth before buying somebody like that. But I can see the the benefit of having somebody like that because, you know what, if you go into Brighton away or somewhere like that in the middle of the week and you are in three different competitions and promoting somebody like mm. that to play is, is going to do you a job. I mean, if we were going to go for a, a player from a newly promoted club at the back, then you'd go and buy Christopher Schindler because he's the most underrated centre-back in the division. But uh, that's just me. <laughs> Foyth, the, the only thing I'd say there, though, is Foyth seems more like the eventual successor to Jan Vertonghen. That kind yeah, of, like, yeah, he's classy, he's rangy. classy. Yeah, whereas like Lascelles, I do see a, a more sort of brutish type element, like that, the Toby, the Doors type. I don't think he's anywhere foil. close to um, Sanchez's level, though. He's definitely one or two steps below that. For me. Sanchez is class. Like I know, I know. He's the thing is, people say, "Oh, he's been shown up lately." The guy's twenty-one years old, and he's played a lot of fucking football mm. this year. He's a played far more football than, I, than anybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot more than I think he was ever sort of expecting to. You know, the guys, yeah. the guys, a class act though. For a twenty-one-year-old centre back in a new league to be performing at the level he is, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely astounded that there isn't more noise about him. Like the guys, I think he's he's a phenomenal talent. I think he's absolutely phenomenal. But, you know, maybe I'm blinkered. No, no, no. That's the reason we spent, what, 45 million on him is because he's brilliant. Um, and you know what? There are errors in his game, and I tweeted the other day, you know, he's going to be damn near unbeatable when he realises he doesn't have to give his man 10-yard head start before chasing <laughs> yeah. it down. Um, but, you know, that's something he's going to realise, and it's a position you grow into. He's going to be absolutely fantastic. He, he will have been better than... Alderweireld or Vertonghen at similar stages in their career. And if you think about those two, they're in the prime of their careers as centre-backs. What, Vertonghen's 30 and Alderweireld's 29, 28? So if you give him another, not even eight years, if you give him another three or four, he's going to be dangerously good. Um, And he's going to be the one that we're going to be worrying about losing before long. It's almost as if people can't see that. I mean, Alderweireld at at the top level, will have a good three or four years left in him, if not more. Five or six at the very most. But Sanchez has got 10 or 12, so if you're going to have to invest in one of those and you're a club the size of Tottenham with the limited resources of a Tottenham, you go for the one that you might get the more out of Mm. for longer. And if you actually extend this and look at at other sports and, and sports who are... I, the way I rationalise what Tottenham do, given our wage structures, I almost think of us as a salary-capped club because essentially that's what we impose on yeah, ourselves yeah. is a salary cap. And if you look at salary-capped sports and the way in which they do, often they will flip their bigger talent at a older age and let them go and out of a contract rather than paying them above the odds so that they can double down on younger, more prospective talents and have a stronger squad going forwards for longer. Because you would rather pay Sanchez sort of, you'd rather bump his contract up to more than what it is and make him sign a five, six-year deal on big terms rather than give Alderweireld three or four now on bigger terms and have the potential of sidetracking Sanchez because it gives you a a longer run-up with that player, in my opinion. You you see it done in basketball all the time where they... They decide to go younger and they trade away their big talent. You see it done in in American football a lot. I've I read a lot um, this preseason because there's been a lot going on about the Patriots because they're the big team there. And apparently, what their coach Belichick does is, if he sees a player on the wane, he lets him go when 
you know, people would still think they've got a year or two left in them. He lets them go there and then and gets somebody younger in who people don't really see having the best season. And they still win because they've got hungrier guys there. They're still willing the salary cap and they've still got players at the peak of their powers in other positions. But they're not overpaying for guys who are where they could be and on their way down. They're, they're only paying for what they need and what is going to propel them forward. And if that's the mentality we have as a club, I know it's frustrating that we can't just shell out another 200 grand a week for Alderweireld because that's what we want to do and then we'll sell him in a year or two when we fancy it. We have to be a bit cannier than that because of what we're up against. Well, the, guy, the thing is as well, like one of the things that people seem to have this cognitive dissonance about is the guy's injury record. Like he's, 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 not, he's not that reliable anymore, in my opinion anyway. Like... I think, He's had a, a, a series of kind of pretty big injuries now. He's getting on in his career. The guy is a fantastic player. He's a fantastic, fantastic footballer. But to chuck like a massive salary at something, people like okay. An example of this is, and yeah, his his injury problems aren't as bad as this. But by the same logic, you know, people are actually debating whether or not we should sign Gareth Bale back. If we're talking about chucking two hundred k a week at. Toby Alderweireld, you could probably get Gareth Bale for a similar amount of money. Similar-ish, similar sort of ballpark. Yet people will say, no, don't get Gareth Bale. He's too injury prone. You know, why does that, why does that not apply to Alderweireld as well? I don't know. I'm just, uh, the thing is, like, I've, I probably do have a bit of a bias there because I sort of have that thing now where if I get the suspicion that a player doesn't really want to play for us anymore I'm not going to sort of beg and plead for them to stay like we'll be fine you know we've seen other players go I've seen plenty of players go I've seen Modric go I've seen Berbatov go I've seen Teddy Sheringham go in the past you know Robbie Keane Robbie Keane yeah you know like and we've we've been Carrick. okay exactly the club yeah it, all right there's a there's a there's a knockback effect on that but we've still continued to progress you know and I don't think it's the end of the club if Toby or the Wyrald leaves us. And I've, I think he will. And I think he's going to stay in the Premier League as well. I can't see anyone else signing him outside of the Premier League, to be honest. And I think it's probably going to be City or United. He makes sense. He, he would be one of the players that I think would end up at a Juventus or something like that. Because at his age, he would be able to get another five, six years out of himself in Serie A. His pace would be devastating there. He'd walk into that back line because Chiellini and Bazadli are on the way. They're both, you know, getting on uh put him in the back line with next to Medi Benatia they've got the the fee to sort of pay us what we need for him give him the wages that he wants he'll be playing Champions League football every year he'll be winning Serie A every year he'll probably be the best of the best defender in that division yeah. and he'll you know he'll get the the sort of the ego boost that he wants from that sort of a mood and he'll get to sort of pad out his trophy cabinet in the man he wants and be playing for a, a top level team um, so that's excuse me, burped. That's where I would send him what, to. You just turn into a horse for a second, then. No, <laughs> no, I'm a bear. Remember? Oh yeah, that's true. Um, that's where I I would send him to, or even you know Munich or something like that. But I want to just get that as a little sound grab. I'm a bear. Well, remember? Yeah, that's that's my uh, profile on Grinder. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we both would be bears. Have you ever? Do you know the um, dance duo two bears who are two straight guys, but they're two fat hairy blokes? No, so they no. call themselves two bears. Yeah, they're fantastic. Oh, have a look for them. They're really good. Their music's actually quite decent as well. One of them's uh, Joe Goddard from Hot Chip, who I really like. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, they're, they're pretty decent. Um, but yeah, fuck it. We haven't, I, I see we asked a question. Go on, and well, let's. What's Michael asked? Michael, this got Michael right. If you if you do actually listen to this, okay, this is at M K Y U M A E, right? Michael's one of these guys that often talks to me on Twitter, and you, you've <laughs> you've had these before where you're like, I can't tell if they like me or dislike me. Because they seem to have that like oddly like confrontational, aggressive tone in so much of what they say. But then other times will just come across as really friendly. I don't know. Maybe he's just trolling me. Maybe he's playing me at my own game. Tell me, yeah. Michael. Get in touch. But he's, what's he said? What changes to Spurs now that Wenger is gone? Or has Poch changed Arsenal to the extent that Wenger had to leave? I don't really get your question, Michael. But what changes to Spurs now that Wenger is gone? I don't know. I think there's a nothing. lot of uncertainty, really. But yeah, nothing that much. Is he saying that sort of Pochettino has changed their mindset or something by taking them above us? I'm not sure. Uh, we had the Wenger chat, though. So yeah. hopefully somewhere in that Wenger chat we'll have placated him. Yeah, but we are we are better than Arsenal now. I don't care. This is the thing. Do you know, this is back to that fucking <laughs> FA Cup thing, right? Yeah, they've won the FA Cup the past few years. We're still a fucking better side than them. You all make fun of Arsenal. All of you. Every single one of you on Twitter, every single one of you that's listening that's on Twitter will be making fun of Arsenal, saying that we are better than them now. North London is ours. North London is Lily White. Them winning the FA Cup hasn't fucking changed that, has it? So shut up. FA Cup's Tim Pot. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no, I like it. Um, when we win it, we should melt it down. Yeah, <laughs> melt it down and turn it into a one of those, you know, like the sun that's in the middle of the Argentina flag. Yeah, turn it into one of those <laughs> and, and ship it out to the fork. <laughs> we should melt it down and turn it into a statue of Eric Lamella's dog. Yeah, <laughs> let's do that. Yeah, I like that idea. Have and you seen we've... the big fuck off tattoo he's got of his dog on his leg? He's a weird dude. I he love really love that dog. He's man. a weird. He really love that dog. He's a weird guy. I really, I really, I'm, I'm, I feel sort of quite a lot of vindication as to how good he's been since he's come back into the fold again. Now but. I always enjoy. Um, people always talk about how much he loves football. Like um, I can't remember who I was listening to have a interview, but somebody was on Ryan, about just Ryan Mason. How, was it Ryan Mason? Just, yeah, who was saying like everyone goes on about Harry Kane, blah blah blah, but Lamella's the the one at Spurs that. Loves football. football. Yeah. Yeah. He's brilliant. I love him. He's fantastic. He is fantastic. Mm. I'm I'm still not... Uh, well, as you know, we've extended his contract, haven't we, actually? Two years. We're, we're so. going to... Um, I think we've got an option to extend it to 2020 uh, that apparently we're due to exercise. The official thing hasn't come out yet, but I imagine we will. He seems happy there. Just fucking get Musa Sissoko out of the club. That's all I Oh, want. God. Get he's awful. He's, I think he's actually worse than Polino. Genuinely worse than Polino. Honestly. He cost honestly. near enough twice as much, and he's produced less. At least Polino scored the odd goal and had the odd good game. Is he even championship level? Genuinely top-end <laughs> championship level? I don't know what he is. He's just... He's such a... I don't know. He, I'll tell you what he is. He's shit. Yeah. But. I don't understand why he played in central midfield. Um, it was just I felt really sorry it, for Victor Wanyama because Victor Wanyama's not properly match sharp no, yet. He's not, and he needs somebody next to him to help him. And Wanyama's had over, a season out, basically. Yeah, when he looks over, he's got Moose's son on Soko next to him. He's like, oh fuck's sake! There were there, there were a couple of times in the game against Brighton the other night when Sissoko 
ran past Kane and he ran past Ericsson into space and you could see both of them had that they they second guessed themselves the natural thing was somebody in a white shirt has run past me well blue shirt on this occasion has run past me passed the ball on was on my team and then they saw who it was and you can see them passing it back or bringing the ball back in <laughs> that and that is just that's not that's not that's not a functioning team. No, it's not a functioning team. The funny thing is, like that, in the side. That, is, that is genuinely the truth, though, because there is a couple of times where, if it was anybody else, they would play that ball. Yeah, yeah. but the, but you know, you know, what he's going to do is miscontrol it or just fucking kick it to the first man. Like it's just he's, the, you know what? He's the, hopeless. The, he's the a, thing he's is, useless. When on the odd occasion where he plays a good ball, nobody's expecting it to be a good ball. So nobody's properly anticipated the ball coming to feet. So even his good passes don't work in the way he needs to because nobody's waiting for them and anticipating them to come as they would if somebody else was passing that ball. He's just, he's an absolute disaster. He should, he should go. I mean, if we can sell him to Turkey or something, then we've done, yeah. Or China. Just get him. China. Whatever, yeah, sell him to China and send him the Paulinho route. He'll turn up at Real Madrid in a year. Yeah, exactly. I sit and score, probably knock us out of the Champions League. No, Paulinho's been shit at Barcelona as he well. Has, Let's not get it has. twisted. No, but you know, we everybody has to pretend that he's somehow good. No, it's, it's that overly. No, it's it's when um he came. Yeah. There was a like a flood of think pieces about the rebirth yeah. of Paulinho just before they played Chelsea. Now people have leg. to rebuff their opinion just to show And then he absolutely yeah. shot himself there and was like, oh yeah, no, this is, this is the Paulinho that we know and love. Awful player. Should we, let's, let's kill it there. I'm, I'm in a, to, um, oh, go on in. Just one more, go on in. Uh, what's the best thing on TV right now and what are you both listening to podcast and music wise? Do you want to go first? Uh, what's the best thing on TV? What are you watching at the minute? At the, well, I just finished Big Little Lies, which was brilliant. It was genuinely <laughs> brilliant. It's very, very, very good. Um, I'm Big Meryl's on next season, isn't she? Oh, well, yeah, according to you, I haven't, I haven't actually yeah, looked yeah, yeah. into that. But she's signed up. She's playing yeah, somebody's mum. That's pretty sick. She'll, she'll slot well into that. Um, mm. I'm watching at the moment. I don't. I don't like to get drawn into saying like something's the best or something, you know, it's all just say it, Jack. Opinion. I'm watching the documentary series Wild Wild Country at the moment. Oh, I've heard about Netflix. this. Is it good? I I think it's it's fucking brilliant. I mean, Ooh. it's the way it's produced is it's it's interesting. It's produced and directed by um two brothers, the Duplass brothers, who Oh, they don't they usually do like um mumblecore stuff. Yeah, they do all like those indie films and stuff. They work with um was it Greta Gerwig and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like loads of her early work and things. And they've just suddenly rocked up and made this kind of a uh, documentary series, which is yeah, it's it's brilliantly produced. And I've I I haven't finished all of it yet, but it's it's essentially about a peace loving kind of guru led cult that originated in India, upset the Indian establishment, tried to find a new country to move to found a loophole in the US Constitution that would facilitate them setting up there and what goes on from that point. And it's it's a good lesson in not only intolerance and fear of outsiders from like local homogenized communities and such like that, but it also shows you uh, on a totally different note 
how people, so from the cult's perspective, can go into, say, things with a pure ideology um, and lose their way through... So basically, essentially acting in a counterintuitive fashion to the overall goals of what they're trying to achieve in order to achieve it, if that makes sense to you. It's, uh, it, it, it's you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fucking deep watch, and it's probably one I'll have to watch through again even though I haven't even finished it for the first watching yet, but it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's very well put together. The production values are great. Watch it if you can. I also started the defiant ones as well on Netflix. Oh, I've seen that before. That's really, really good. That's really, really good. Some of it's a bit of a, some of it is like an, a a weird beats by Dre advert. Yeah. 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 Apart from that, it's good. Bits where it's just Dre and Jimmy Iovine talking. It's fantastic. Mate, fucking Dr. Dre on his like private Island fucking (laughs) mashing out to Nirvana was like, yes, like this is fucking sick. This is like, Mm. I don't know. I I don't know. Dre's a fantastic. He's a genius. Any albums you've been spinning out recently? No, I haven't, mate. I've been been way off, way off the pace. Music. I don't think there's actually been a brilliant album release this year yet. I mean, there's a few to look forward to. There's a Kanye's got a new one coming out. Kanye's got two in a month coming. There's J Cole's just dropped an album today. Um, there's a Drake album coming. So there's a lot coming. There's the new Arctic Monkeys as well coming. Yeah, uh, new Arctic Monkeys, which is well worth looking forward. Do you get to, tickets? I didn't try, to be honest. The lads tried, but I couldn't be bothered. I've seen them that many times now. I wanted to actually hear what the record sounded like first before I went to see them. And they'll end up being at a festival at some point soon yeah. as well. I end up, we, every time they release an album, I end up seeing them like four times within 18 months and I get a bit sort of Arctic's fatigue. So I thought if I leave it off this time, they will definitely be back around again because they're one of them bands that when they tour, they properly tour and not the you know, head off it and come back around again. Is I, I we were similar sort of boat. We wanted to see him, and then we sort of remembered like not only that like the Victoria Park one was a bit guff, but also that you know it's going to be expensive and it's fucking almost nigh and impossible to get tickets. And the you know like we we both sort of said about the Victoria Park crowd, Finsbury Park, Finsbury Park. Yeah, it's all the same, isn't it? Um, it, they uh, the crowds were just. I don't, I don't I don't really like again I don't like that sort of like snotty sort of approach to like younger p- people in a crowd so when people are like oh it's going to be full of 13 year olds only no am it's like well that's that's fair enough I'm just kind of glad that younger people are listening to decent <laughs> yeah going to it's, gigs it's more like the sort of like you know the the 40 somethings that have heard you know the latest single and have got the disposable income to just whack it down on five tickets on a whim that yeah. turn up to these gigs. That's kind of more where my stuff goes and hence why there are all these like, you know, boutique burger bars and things at these gig venues yeah. now. But so I tell you, know, you the weirdest thing about that. Music, um, it's where it's all going and I understand it. It's, that weirdest you know, thing about that Finsbury Park one for demand. me is um, other than the fact that we were in the same park and still didn't manage to meet up. Is that because um, you were ducking me? I saw you had one I, of those like I newspapers with eye holes in it. No, I tried to text you on that, but um, we'll we'll ignore the fact that you ran away from me. It's all right. <laughs> um, it's the people that 
were from London and had really thick London accents that we were sort of chatting to and that before they came on. And they came on and they were doing this weird affected Yorkshire accent when they sang. And me and lads sort of looked at each other at one point and went, what's, what's going on here? Why are, they, why are they doing that to their voices? Like, try to sound like Alex Turner. I don't, but and, do you not... I, I kind of see why people do it. I'd probably do it. Because like, it's know. how you listen to the music, right? And you sort of going along because it is such know. a distinct part of who the arctic monkeys are the fact they sing in like a broad sort of yorkshire accent it's when they do the older tracks that i don't get it because they've got like um references to going from sort of hillsborough to somewhere else and so yeah, yeah yeah i know people from it is you know, weird billericke singing along it's like i don't think you understand sort of how shit high green is, mate. So why, <laughs> why are you why have you put that accent on? But no, it's um I, I suppose it's a uh, it's a compliment. Yeah, take it. That the way. best thing on Yorkshire is, is it, is it Yorkshire. Yeah. Oh, mate, talking of Yorkshire, town are staying up, aren't they? Fantastic. Yeah, they are. There should be anywhere touch wood because uh, they nah, might they will. Tottenham They'll style fuck it up. They need another couple of points. They've got Everton and Arsenal. I, I'm actually. I will be a. Uh, Arsenal Wenger's last ever game in charge of Arsenal. <laughs> get, get, your, get your dick out in the stands. And I'm going to wear my Tottenham shirt. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, that'll be a weird one. Because there'll be loads of fucking press there and stuff. It'll, I won't surprise It'll be on telly now, won't it? So they'll yeah. they'll try and bump that across. Um, right. Anyway, I'm literally I'll about to get off. kicked out of my meeting room. So okay. listen, listen to all the previous episodes of the podcast. Do it. Come on, you Spurs. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.